Well, good morning. Welcome to Refuge. And we are definitely going to need some salad before the ice cream and donuts, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, it's just one more lap around the track or something like that that we'll have to run. Anyway, um, just a lot of things that are going on as, as we've come to understand this morning at Refuge. And um, so those are all great things. Some uh, just enjoy fellowship and, and continued growth in the Lord. And um, other things are um, there for us to enjoy each other's company, but centered in Christ. And so uh, what we have afterwards is this, this fellowship. We, we always have food. See, that's the thing is that um, everyone's gifted in different areas. Um, I know that some people enjoy, they have the gift of hospitality. And um, so this, this isn't force. It's not something that we require. Um, it's not even something that I asked for. Um, as the, as a pastor here, it's just something that has been birthed from within the church itself, as far as hospitality is concerned, and so we get to enjoy these things um, because of the joy that the Lord has given you to share um, of and share the food that you cook up so deliciously, and so we get to enjoy it and uh, <laughs> and enjoy some fellowship most of all. So anyway, uh, we are in uh, Colossians chapter 1. So we're, this morning we're going to go uh, from Colossians chapter 1. We're going to cover verses 24 through 29 and then go into the first five verses of chapter 2. This is a segment. So as uh, we teach through the Word, sometimes um, the chapter breaks aren't uh, in an area that would make sense for it to break. Uh, expositional teaching is uh, the teaching of God's word, giving it the sense uh, in segments. And um, so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. The title of this morning's message is For the Sake of a Firm Faith. For the Sake of a Firm Faith. So let's begin by reading what we're going to be studying. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. The Apostle Paul writes, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Chapter 2, verse 1, as he continues, says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We hold it above all. And I pray this morning that you would, through your word and by the understanding that your spirit gives us, be encouraged uh, that we may be strengthened, built up to maturity in Christ, to be firm in our faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, the riches that are found in Christ Jesus, of the glory, of the hope that we have in Him. May we come to understand and know personally that Your Word is of value that far exceeds anything that this world has to offer. That human wisdom is of no value compared to it. 
that by your wisdom, that by your word, comes not only knowledge of the things that pertain to this life and godliness, but they can be understood. That we may exercise wisdom in those things. All to your glory. Teach us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There aren't many things that are really worth striving for and sacrificing for in this world that, that really are of eternal value. Money, position, power, prestige, fame, and so on and so forth. All of these fall very short in value in comparison to the value of possessing a faith that is mature and firm in Christ Jesus. As I was thinking about what we have before us, I was thinking of the wisest man on earth. And outside of Jesus Christ, we know that man to be the son of David, right? Solomon. It's for that reason that I want to turn your attention to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. So hold your place there in Colossians, if you can, with me. Let's journey back into the Old Testament. And uh, just past Proverbs, uh, you find Ecclesiastes. And in chapter 12, verse 9, I just want you to read with me these words from the man who was considered to be the wisest man who walked the face of the earth and who tried everything under heaven. And he said, it's all vanity, it's all empty. But this is man's all right here. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails, firmly fixed, are the collecting, collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Everything will come before the Lord and it will be judged not according to your standard, not according to what's relevant to our culture today. Not what we've been duped into thinking that this is right and that's wrong according to the wisdom of man. But according to the perfect standard that is found in God's word. And from the word of the man who is considered to be the wisest among all. Wiser than you and I put together. Came these words inspired by the very Holy Spirit. They gave the inspiration of the whole counsel of God. It is he who said these things. And is this that we ought to give our attention to. This morning that we ought to not think about those things that other people are saying in regards to truth. If it doesn't match up with God's word. Not any song. Not any friend. No one. But Jesus Christ. Because he desired that every single brother and sister in Colossae and in Laodicea and Hierapolis and all the surrounding area would come to know this, that the value of possessing a faith that is mature and firm in Jesus Christ. That's what he desired. This is what Paul desired that the Christians in Colossae would possess, a mature and firm faith in Jesus Christ, that they may understand how important their lives as Christians were to reflect Jesus Christ. You know that you have something within you as a Christian that is of much value to God and is of much value to those around you. Sometimes we don't take that seriously. We don't understand what we possess in Christ. And so we're kind of flippant about our lives. 
We're not purposeful and deliberate. We kind of just live for ourselves, even though we say we live for Christ and are willing to sacrifice everything for him. We must consider ourselves in light of the fact that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, our whole lives are a response to what was completely done in Jesus Christ. It's simply a response. God loved us first. And we learned to love him. And through him, we learned to love others. It's a response. Now, the mystery for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, would be known. That's what... what His desire was, that's what the Apostle Paul's desire was, that in them, through the teachings of God's word, they would know the riches of the glory of this mystery. And this this is what I pray for us this morning, that you would know the riches of the glory of this mystery that has been revealed in you and to you through Jesus Christ. That you may have a greater assurance of the hope that lies within you. Because when you know that, you'll be more willing to share that with others. And live it out in your own life. You see, the Apostle Paul was willing to do anything and endure everything so that his fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, would be mature and firm in their faith. Understanding what they possess, the gospel of Christ is within the believer. And it is Jesus they need to reflect to others with power and, listen to this, with clarity. No confusion. Confusion is of the enemy. It's not of the Lord, right? So when they see you, they they should see Jesus with clarity, not with confusion. It's confusing. Your life is confusing. On on one hand, you, you know, you lift up your hands and you praise God in church and you go to Bible study and all that. But there are a lot of times in your life that it kind of confuses me because it doesn't match up to what the word is telling us. It's, It's not. There's a lack of consistent response to living a life completely sacrificed and given to the Lord. May you be encouraged. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul writes, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And that's what the Apostle Paul was getting across here, is that this was, uh, he was a servant. Uh, he had this stewardship of what was given to him to pass along to others. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, Just to reflect him. You and I. We're to be light bearers and and reflect that light to others. That's it. Paul was willing to do anything and endure everything for the sake of the gospel. If he was willing to do this, shouldn't we seek to understand why it was so important that Paul and the other apostles and the disciples were willing to suffer and even give up their lives? Shouldn't we at least understand why? Why were they willing to do that? To endure everything. To do anything for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think we should. I think that's important for us to understand, to learn why. They were already saved. Why? They already knew salvation. They already knew God's grace, His mercy, His compassion. Why? And yet with all of this, they were willing to give their whole lives to see their fellow brethren. It wasn't for their own sake. It was for their brothers and sisters in Christ to know sound doctrine. And with this, as they grew into maturity and firmness in their faith, they would take great joy and they would go on to others and others and others and continue to see them grow in the love and grace that they have found in Jesus Christ themselves. The Apostle Paul was willing to do whatever it took, even enduring jail, beatings, think about this, and ridicule by everyone for the sake of winning souls to Jesus Christ and for the sake of ensuring that the Christians would learn to stand on the firmness of God's word 
that they would be mature in Christ and that they themselves would reflect his glory found in the gospel, the good news, God's word. So let's take a look at the first few verses here. Number one, know the hope of glory in you. We need to know that. Verse 24, once more, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. It's interesting that Paul would write these words because Paul is saying, hey, I rejoice. I rejoice in my sufferings. That's kind of odd. Do you rejoice in your sufferings? Right? Think about that. Oh, Lord, praise you. Oh, I'm afflicted. And I just praise you. I rejoice, right? Well, the Apostle Paul was rejoicing in his sufferings, but it was for a specific reason. He was suffering for the sake of the church. He was suffering for their sake. In that, he rejoiced. I need to just give you a quick reminder. Where was Paul writing from? Prison. A prison in Rome. Now, these prison, prisons were a bit different. You know, they, they didn't have Xbox and PlayStation. They weren't treated humanely. They didn't have three squares. They weren't given an hour in the yard to go exercise. and They, they weren't given any of that. They, they were treated as... Prisoners, we would think prisoners would be treated. And yet in this very place, the Apostle Paul was writing. And in this manner, for the sake of the brethren. He was suffering at that very moment and yet he found that his suffering was for their benefit. Oh, for this he rejoiced. Do you ever see your suffering as a benefit to others? You know what that would drive us to is less complaint and more rejoicing. That whatever it is that I'm going through, perhaps it's not about me for the moment. It's, it's not about me. But it's about others and it's for the sake of others. That they would see Christ in you through whatever you're afflicted with. We're, we're given, we're allowed certain things in our lives. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's a work of refining and strengthening and even, yes, encouraging. A reminder that we need to get back to focusing our eyes on the Lord and not ourselves. Because in the midst of our suffering, other people are watching. How are you going to deal with it? That's why sometimes, even when we come to pray, you know, we're more interested in hearing and saying what is going on in our own lives and really for praying and seeking out uh, prayers for other people around us. And then prayer meetings end up turning into a, just a, a just talk. You know, you talk for 50 minutes and then pray for 10 because you want to really get out and explain exactly all the sufferings that you're dealing with. How it is that, oh, my life is just so down in the dumps. You know, God knows the details. And I'm not putting that down as far as, it, you know, we ought to share each other's burdens and we ought to do that. But just be careful that you, life does not revolve around you. Because it's not for the sake of your glory, it's for the sake of God's glory. It's not for the sake of making life comfortable for you, but it's for the sake of bringing glory to the creator of the universe. 
to drive people to him, that when other people see you, they see that you have a strength in the hope that you have come to find in Jesus Christ, in him alone. Because they'll ask these questions, even though they're not asking them out loud. Is Christ real in your life? Is he really your hope? Is he really your strength? Is he really your refuge? Is that reflected in how? And Paul says here that he is filling up sufferings in his flesh. They're starting to, to fill up, but they can never suffice. Those that were lacking in Christ Jesus' afflictions. Now, this is not any sort of completion of redemptive suffering. This is not what's even implied here has nothing to do with that he did it all on the cross completely this suffering that paul is referring to of what he's speaking of is the suffering that one endures in ministry it, it is said that even this was what jesus suffered in his ministry and yet it continues it continues today that with you and I, as we suffer in ministry, that we understand that it's a continuation and it's for the sake of the brethren that we suffer. And Paul, instead of complaining about it, he rejoiced because he knew exactly for whose benefit it was and whom he glorified when he endured it with rejoicing. Knowing God's faithfulness and the hope he knew in Christ, something nothing and no one could ever take away. He knew the treasure he possessed and he desired that others would come to know and reflect in their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way. Are you afflicted? It could be in every way. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. In other words, manifested, revealed. In our bodies, in these lives, that it would be revealed not crushed, not destroyed, not despondent, filled with hope. Understanding exactly what is going on in this life. When you have greater understanding of what it is that you're going through and how it is that you're to respond, you have this strength that is found in Jesus Christ. And you will get through those trials. By the way, please note that Paul's suffering was not for himself either. You see, this is, this is one of the teachings that was going around. It was false teaching, the ascetics. You know, to inflict oneself with pain. Hey, if it's not coming, then, you know, I, I'm, I need to uh, afflict myself, you know, and cut myself and do all these things to myself that I may be more holy and pure and close to God. And, and he's saying, no, that's wrong. That was wrong teaching. All this suffering was not for Paul. He understood it was for the sake of the brethren. That's it. It was for their sake. Not Paul, not the Christian personally, but for others around us. Just as Paul was willing to suffer for the sake of others, we too should be willing to suffer, suffer for the sake of others, for the benefit of others in the gospel. In verse 25, Paul understood some important truths. Number one, he was a minister. You know what a minister means? Minister. Just everywhere you see minister, just put down servant. We have it backwards. Sometimes there are pastors who just want to be served. They should be the greatest servants of all. Interested in all the details that have to do with the flock. Number one. That the glory of God may be demonstrated through them. That they would mature and be firm in their faith. 
but serving you, not the other way around. He also understood that he was a steward, entrusted with something glorious, a steward. It didn't belong to him. He was a servant, and that which he was entrusted with, did not. it wasn't his to hold. It's mine. It's mine. Everything is mine. No, let it go. It's not yours, pastor, servant, fellow slave of Jesus Christ. It, it, it's his. He's the head of the church. We're simply a steward of what we've been entrusted with. He was to make his glory known. As a servant of all and a steward of the gospel, willing to give his life as a sacrifice for the purpose of making the word of God fully known to the people. That was the reason for it. That was the end. That was the goal. And in verse 26, the mystery is revealed to the Christians as we have come to know God's grace, salvation through faith in the only begotten Son of God, who died in my place, a perfect sacrifice for you and I. No works, no personal sacrifice would suffice, and this grace is revealed in me and through me as I reflect the truth and genuineness of my faith. That's why it's important to live out our faith, that we be consistent, deliberate, conscientious, purposeful in living lives that reflect the glory of God. In verse 27, it says to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As a Christian, do you know and understand how rich you are? Do you understand that? Do you understand that God forgave you when you confessed your sins to him and believed on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior? And that Jesus now indwells you? He is with you. The Holy Spirit seals you for the day of redemption. Oh, the riches that you have within you. The mystery is not uh, anything other than truth revealed. That's what it is. Veiled in the Old Testament, which has now been revealed in the New Testament. What was prophesied is now fulfilled. What was not fully understood is now fully known. That God granted salvation through Jesus Christ by the sacrifice and shed blood of Jesus Christ. To who? To the Jews and Gentiles alike. And it's when you understand how great this is and how blessed you are. Having Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven. That you will live a life that is pleasing to God. And a reflection to others of the hope of the glory that you have come to know and rejoice in no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, and maybe even more so because of it. The hope of glory in you, Christ in you. That's what we have. So number one, know the hope of glory in you. Secondly, stand mature in Christ. Verse 28, as we continue, says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. This is why the Apostle Paul could rejoice in his sufferings. This is why. His joy was that he may be able to present everyone mature in Christ. It's like, uh, man, that you would be able to disciple some people. Uh, that you would help them to come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, a great understanding of God's word, how to live that out in their lives, and therefore take those people that you have poured into and then co come before the Lord. Can you imagine coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I, I present them to you. They're all yours. They're all yours. And you know what? I've not shunned to declare to them the whole counsel of God. They're, they're standing before, before you, and I have poured my whole life into them. I present them to you. That's what the joy that the Apostle Paul was speaking of, to present them to God in this manner. 
As you abide in Christ, we are to present ourselves as mature in Christ to His glory as we abide in Christ. Paul's whole focus was in preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Everything he did was toward fulfilling this work as it was given to him by Jesus Christ to accomplish, to fulfill. And notice in verse 28 that Paul warned and taught everyone with all wisdom. Everyone. Not just certain people. Like, okay, so you guys get it. So apparently the mystery has been shown to you and you're the only ones that understand it. Everyone else, so I'm going to go ahead and talk to you about it, right? No, it was, it was to everyone. Why? Because God desires that all should know and all can know and understand. The mystery has been revealed with all wisdom. And so the Apostle Paul warned and taught. The teachings and warnings are for the understanding of all, not just some. Don't, don't think that, you know, you read through the word and, you, and, you, and I've heard it said, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand it. Well, keep reading. Keep studying. Whoever said studying would be easy. And, and that as you go through, it's just like, wow, you know, I, just, I get it. I got it all. One reading. I, you know, some people read this, this Bible, you know, once a year, twice a year. I, I didn't have to. I got a full understanding of my first reading. It's all good. <laughs> study? <laughs> no, study to show yourself approved to God. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling the word of God. It's, it's work. But I'll tell you what. What you receive from that study far exceeds anything of value that the world has to offer you. Everything. Nothing can touch it. Warning is a word that means to caution through the counsel of God's word. Because he says this, with all wisdom. According to God's word, not Paul's, not, not Paul's opinion, not Paul's, um, you know, clever phrases or poems or anything like that. It was according to God's word. And definitely not according to just anyone's opinion. Their, the philosophy of the world wasn't according to that. There, you see, there's a perfect standard. And it's found in God's word. Warning and teaching is to help you reach understanding. Let me tell you this. Just because a teacher stands in the front of a classroom and gives you information doesn't make them a teacher. They can be a lecturer of knowledge if all they're doing is giving information. Like, here's the information. Now you're going to have a test, and we're going to see, see if you comprehend it. Well, do you comprehend it yourself? Because you sure didn't teach it in a manner in which I have understanding. That's a work of teaching, right? To help you understand. That's why I always give myself, as we're going through the Word of God, I, I want to simply teach it simply. I don't want to cloud it. I, want, I don't want to make it more complicated, right? Which it isn't complicated, but I don't want to make it complicated to where you walk out and you're like, oh my gosh, I mean, that guy's smart, like, number one, I'm, I, I is not smart. So that's, that's, not, that's a futile attempt anyway, right? But we shouldn't be that. We shouldn't try and make ourselves sound like we're some kind of a, I don't know, professor or, you know, that just is up here trying to give you some deep theology when you just need to know the simple interpretation of the word of God and how to apply it. That's it. There's a place for deeper understanding with, with uh, deeper teaching. But you know what? Let's, let's get the basics down and then we'll go from there. We need to seek to help others reach understanding. That truth may come to be understood not just intellectually, but that it may be known in the heart 
the very center of our lives and from understanding Christ that it may be reflected in our, our, in our lives with full understanding from knowledge to willing application. And I say willing because we could be reluctant. You know, we could have head knowledge, but if it doesn't get into the heart, the very core, the very center of our being, and we apply it, then it really doesn't matter. All, all we do is we, we have enough information up here that we can argue with someone and, and beat them, but we've lost, well, I've lost the person. You know, we need to have understanding of God's word that we may apply it, apply it in our lives in diff, different situations and then really have this discernment on how we can share that with others and help them understand. Mature in Christ. This is what Paul gave himself to and that he may present his fellow brethren to God. Mature in Christ. Uh, independent from anything. And anyone but Christ, e even, even this, even independent from Paul. In other words, that you don't rely as mature Christians, firm in the truth of God's word, that you, you, don't, you get to a point to where you don't have to keep going back to anyone or, or look to anyone. You just, you know where to look, you know where to find it. And so you're searching the scriptures before you get into any discussions about the things of God with anyone else. You know, we have a men's Bible study um, for the summer four times. And, and you know what? It takes great discipline. Men, you need to come prepared. That's on you. We have no outline. And at this point, it's on you to read through so jot down your own notes. And remember, that takes discipline and it takes hard work. And then understand what the interpretation of that is. And then the applications. That, that takes uh, a lot of work because we don't have any guiding questions in that Bible study. So, so that's on you. That's being mature in Christ. Digging out that which is found in the scriptures. And then sharing it with others around you. Then you can go to these Bible studies and discuss it. That's when you'll be vocal. That's when you'll have something to share. And that's when iron will sharpen iron. Sparks will fly. Right? But we'll be better for it. Will you come together in fellowship, centered on God's word, and sharpen each other? That's what we ought to do. Sharpen each other. But if every time the, the sword is going to strike, right? And yours is not there. What happens? You're just as sharp as what you came in with because it was just you that was meeting with the Lord. The other person is perhaps a bit more, uh, a bit better off because they have now learned what, how the Lord spoke to you. That's the same with us. In fellowship, it should all be centered around Jesus Christ. But you are to grow to that place to where you're independent. Not in fellowship, but in your relationship with the Lord to such a place where you're mature in Christ. Standing firm in the truth of God's word. Even though Paul toiled and struggled in the ministry, he didn't burn out. We also need to understand this. I don't see the Apostle Paul taking any sabbaticals. Do you? None. He didn't burn out. He didn't run out of energy to fulfill his ministry because he knew that it was not in his strength. But with a strength and power that is inexhaustible. A resource that is inexhaustible. He was moving and serving and proclaiming the gospel through many persecutions with the energy supplied by Jesus Christ. If we're doing ministry right, I, there, there is no burnout. We may get tired. Okay, you get tired at work, don't you? Did you quit? Hey, boss, you know, you've been working me five days a week for the past ten years. I'm tired. I'm going to go ahead and take a break. And I'll get back to you as to when I'm going to come back. Have you ever, ever done that? Try it. 
just once. If you realize whose strength you're drawing from, whose energy, whose power, and that you're serving the one and only, the creator of the universe, the Lord, you will not grow weary of doing good. We will stir each other up to love and good works. We will keep our hand to the plow and not look back. We'll keep serving, keep going, keep going. I want to be on that battlefield at the end of it all with a bunch of men and women who knew that inexhaustible grace, power, energy found in Jesus Christ, tired, given everything to the Lord, but standing with him. Let us be mature in our thinking. In doing that, learning who supplies the energy that is inexhaustible. This is to be mature in Christ, to, overcome, to, to come to this knowledge and express it by the way we conduct ourselves in our service to God, in our own lives, knowing the word of God fully. So lastly, number one, know the hope of glory in you. Uh, number two, stand mature in Christ. And lastly, stand firm in Christ. First, Verse 1 of chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. For you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged. Being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. And the knowledge of God's mystery. Which is Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body. Yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul struggled. He toiled. For the Christians in Colossae and Laodicea and the surrounding areas. He hadn't even met them face to face, but, but he sent them this letter that they may be encouraged and that they may be set right in the face of all the opposition they were facing. Paul's struggle was for the church, and he wanted them to know that it was a struggle. Sometimes we hide our struggles, you know. You have no idea. But Paul was saying, I want you to know I'm toiling for your sake. Struggling for you. The overwatch of their faith was a, was a conflict that he gave himself to and did so joyfully with rejoicing because he knew what it would eventually produce. Oh, the overwatch. The one who stands guard. The one who is watching over and making sure that everyone's taken care of, safe. Oh, overwatch, he takes fire. Oh, the opposition, if they know where he is, they will focus all their energy on that one place. And the Apostle Paul was saying, I rejoice over this struggle, and it's for your sake. I rejoice because I know what fruit will eventually be produced through this work. Christians who are strong in their faith and standing on sound doctrine, the solid truth of God's word, that's what will be produced. Do you need encouragement in the Lord? This is what the Apostle Paul was saying here. And that is what we're given each and every time we come together and see and teach and learn and apply the Word of God. Paul desired to encourage the Christians in Colossae and Laodicea and the surrounding areas with this, that they may know Christ fully and know the hidden treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge. When they come to know this and understand God's Word fully, then Paul knew that their hearts would be knit together like beautiful tapestry in the fullness of the love of Christ. Because if you come to know Christ, then you'll come to find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Him. No wonder Paul fought so hard for the sake of the gospel. That the Christians may know the fullness of the word of God. That they may enjoy the riches of God's Mystery with all understanding and knowledge. It revealed to them how wonderful that is. In other words, Paul wanted them to know what he knew and the hope he lived for. 
Forgiveness of sin by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who provided the way to the Father. For Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He wanted them to know that and know it to the fullest. For Jesus Christ came to give life and that more abundantly. To know the riches that are found in Jesus Christ. There is no amount of fellowship that we can encourage that will knit our hearts together. Just the social gatherings, no amount of that, by the way, will knit your hearts together. We'll get to know each other a little better. That will happen. But it's only this. Only Jesus Christ knowing and understanding his love, known and understood through the word of God. That's what will knit hearts together. Because then when we come to fellowship, we do these things, then we have this, this common um, person, Jesus Christ, who knits our hearts together. And it's a beautiful tapestry. Our fellowship in the love of God should be a simple product, result of knowing the love of God And we then encourage one another to love and to good works that we have come to know personally. The Christian unity comes from love and truth and growing in it. It comes from God's word. It comes from Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Christian unity comes from that. That is a rich life in Christ. The mystery of God's truth is revealed in Christ and is no longer a mystery but a truth that has been revealed, a truth that is now known, in whom we are rich with the treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge. And verse 4 tells us, if anyone says that there is truth and knowledge apart from Jesus Christ, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and the truth is not in him. I can complicate that, but I'm not. That's just it. It may sound credible, it may sound reasonable, it may even sound convincing. But be careful. Does it match up to the Word of God? You see, if you know the Word of God, if you know the genuine, the, the real thing, then what will happen is when a counterfeit comes across, you'll detect it just like that. You'll know it immediately. There's something wrong here. It's dangerous to give your ear to those that are known deceivers, considering their words that are telling people that they are receiving new revelation from God. Whenever someone says that, oh, hold on, it's coming in. No, it's the guy in the back that has a microphone and is speaking into your earpiece that that someone is messing with their leg, you know, and perhaps there's something wrong. You know what I mean? There's no, no new revelation. He's given it. It's a full counsel of God's word. You can see it in Hebrews, starting in chapter 1. This is it right here. If you don't check the Word of God as to whether their Word and the Word of God matches up, then, then you're in trouble. You'll be easily deceived. Always go back to the Word of God. Remember that deceivers will sound like they are teaching sound doctrine because they're very close to the truth, but are slightly off course. And even a slight deviation from true north as you travel will set you miles apart from true, true north, from where you started. It's a, it's a course that leads down a path of destruction that is found and originated in heresy. Don't allow it. Not in your life. Compromise. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. Paul desired that instead that he could rejoice in the fact that because they stood firm in their faith in Jesus Christ, they would not be fooled into believing these false teachers and he would see their disciplined lives standing firm in their faith in Christ. It it truly blesses me. I can only imagine with with the Lord when, when I see you standing in the truth. You know, when you do see something that's false and, and you identify it, and, and then you, you let me, you communicate that to me. It's like, that's wonderful. That's, to me, <laughs> amen, that's it. Know the full counsel of God's word, know the truth, uh, be mature in Christ, handle things in a way that glorifies God, and stand firm in your faith. Do not waver. Come what may, the opposition of the world, your peers, it doesn't matter. Stand firm in your faith. So, know the hope of glory in you, stand mature in Christ, and thirdly, stand firm in Christ. And I want to close with this. 
God is glorified when you stand firm in Christ. Enjoying a life that is upright before God with knowledge and understanding in his word, of his word, applying his word, that you may demonstrate a full knowledge of it. Enjoying the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus and the hope of glory. God desires that we know the simple truth that is found in Christ alone. My question for you is, do you know this truth and are you walking in it? Do you know this truth and are walking in it? There's so much more work to do. And I know we're all on this journey of, of growing in the Lord, but I pray that you would, be, you would give yourself to the study of God's word because I desire for you, as God does, that you would mature in Christ, that you would stand strong in him, that you may understand and know the abundant life in him, that hope of God's glory is firm within you. God offers it to you, but it can only be known in Christ. Do you know Christ? Walk in the grace of God and enjoy hearts being knit together in the love of Christ, rejoicing that we know God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, oh, it's a, it's a sweet surrender. God says that he sent his son to die for you. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a surrendered life. It's nothing we do. It's everything he's done. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on your behalf, who died for your sins, past, present, and future. There's nothing that you've done that he says, oh, you know, I died for all sins, but that one is, that's a big one. There's nothing too big for him. He, for, he forgives it all if we come to him, to him genuinely and ask for his forgiveness. And ask, Lord, Lord, may I be your son. I, I want to be your son. Please be my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. And help me walk with you. If you start there, I tell you that he will meet you right there. He'll give you a new heart, new desires. And you, as you give yourself to the word of God and the fellowship of the saints, worshiping together, that he'll help you grow into maturity in the firmness that is found in God's truth. Father, we thank you once more for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to, to help our feet stand on solid ground, on the truth of your word, that it may truly for us be understood as, as the riches of the glory that is found in Christ Jesus, the hope that we have, is in him alone. May we keep our eyes fixed on the one who went to the cross and sacrificed it all. The one also who was victorious over the grave and rose on the third day. Who today sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf. All glory to him. And we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.